Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. I'm your host as always, Andy Davis, and you're listening to episode 8 of season 3. The sun is beating down on the roof today. It's so hot being in this loft. It's reminiscent of that bit in Bridge on the River Kwai where they stick Alec Guinness in that metal box to try to break him. It didn't work on Alec and it isn't going to work on me. So today I bring you a great episode that sees the return of friend of the show, David Barker from Marketing Specialists Inspire KBB. In particular today, we're talking about long-term marketing plans for KBB retailers. Demand is high, dealing with short-term issues is top of the list, so why and how should retailers be looking at their plans way off into the future? We get all the tips and advice from David. But before we get into that... Have you booked your seats and tables at the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards yet? What do you mean you thought it was sold out? Well, it was, but sheer public demand has meant we're moving to a bigger and even grander venue, so we now have an increased capacity. It's on September the 15th at the iconic and stunning Liverpool Cathedral. It's bigger, but it's not infinite, so if you want to be at the biggest post-lockdown KBB industry party, then book now. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to find out how. Now, as we approach the end of the roadmap, whatever the actual date is, it's time to start thinking more long-term when it comes to your marketing. So let's catch up again with friend of the podcast, David Barker from marketing consultancy Inspire KBB. Hello, David. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. It's been quite a while, hasn't it, since we've done one of these. So it's going to be really interesting to see what your outlook is. Now, you do talk to a lot of retailers, of course, so I thought it might be best to start with asking you about the feedback you're getting from them about the state of the market and how busy they are. Well, generally speaking, everybody's busy. I think the you know probably the variables in that are probably the top end. We've got some clients who have never been busier, and you know there'd be a small number saying, "Can we actually start turning some advertising down here? We're getting to a an awkward situation where." We, we just can't handle the number of inquiries and we need to be conscious of our, you know, our reputation here. So that would be at the very top end, not necessarily the majority. I think the majority would say they have got a strong level of inquiries at the moment and everybody has got a strong pipeline in terms of inquiries and data and, and um, people to follow up with from the previous month. So I think generally I'm hearing um, that people are quite comfortable, but a key point in all of this is it's all dependent on whether their pipeline is going to convert. Those people that have you know, made inquiries in the last two or three months, we've got quite a few of our clients would say, if the percentage we would expect to come through of that pipeline does, then we're going to be in a grand position. If not, we'd be in a, in a spot of bother. So I think that would be quite typical. So people are still looking to attract new inquiries for you know the next few weeks, but they're also working hard on converting those opportunities that they have got in their pipeline from recent months. Well, that's really interesting, as that does actually bring us to what we want to talk about today, which is long-term planning for your marketing. So everyone's really busy with short-term stuff, as you quite rightly say. They're very much focused on what's happening in the here and now. So from a marketing perspective, why do you think it's important to think long-term now? Well, I think from a couple of angles, really, I mean, first of all, there, there is a longer term opportunity here, as I think everybody is realising, you know, the way that things have gone through the pandemic with the interest in homes and home specialists and so forth. And I think that plays out very much over the next few years rather than few months. Another reason would be probably most of your competitors are unlikely to be thinking long term right now, probably focused on just delivering, you know, what they need to this week and this month. So there's an opportunity there uh, to hit it, get ahead of the game. And I think 
also, you know, when the you've got the market um, as buoyant as it is now for home specialists, I think it's an opportunity to do the best and most efficient marketing that you can for the long term, with the long term in mind, without having to worry and focus on getting leads in this week and next week. So, you know, it's probably a case of how can we um, take a more efficient approach over the longer term and arguably do the best form of marketing rather than just what are we going to do to get leads in this week. Right. So with that in mind, then, what are we defining long term as here? How far ahead should people be thinking? Well, I would say over the next um, two years, really, I think, you know, we've seen this wave for home specialists take take shape. I think it's going to continue to surge to some extent for all the next couple of years. If you think about the number of bigger projects involving extensions and builders right now, and let's say that the lack of uh, availability of builders there's at least a couple of years for all of that to sort of blow through. So that's the time frame I would recommend people to be thinking. Some people might question planning that far ahead when there's still a lot of uncertainty. I mean, who knows what's going to happen next with the roadmap? So is it worth spending time and effort on planning something that might change radically anyway when there is so much to be getting on within the short term? Well, I would question, is there uncertainty, Andy? I mean, are you talking about uncertainty this month with new variants or are you talking about uncertainty into next year? So, you know, I think it was a month or so ago I, I saw something that Bill Gates had said that everything will be back to normal by the end of next year. And I have no reason to disagree with that. So that's that's my view on the longer term, um, that we should be fine moving into 2022. As for what we're dealing with right now with these new variants, you know, with Portugal going off of the travel green list, uh, I think that probably uh, is the death knell for most Brits abroad this summer. And yet again, that's a development that plays into the hands for the home specialists and the KBB industry. So I would say, where's the uncertainty in that? And certainly from a negative point of view, I don't think there is any. Do you think, David, that the lockdown has made retailers think differently about the way they market themselves? I mean, are they more enthusiastic about trying new things that they would have hesitated over before? Have horizons been expanded a little bit? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, if I think back to lockdown one when everybody was was at home, uh, including our clients, the, the uh, kitchen retailers, um, they were very proactive in terms of coming to us with ideas. They had more time on their hands. They wanted to obviously attract more inquiries uh, late March into April, May last year. So they were very proactive with ideas and, and we had a lot of work deploying those, which was great. In terms of, you know, where they've come to over the last year, I mean, I think that they're always looking for a good idea and many of them would, um, you know, be bringing those to the table themselves or even in a part form. I think one thing I have noticed in recent months is, the kitchen retailers, I would say, are more bullish. They know that they've only got a limited amount of time each week. They've got, you know, obviously supply chain issues as well to deal with, etc., etc. So they're more protective of their time, and they're certainly not prepared to be mucked around for anybody uh, with, by anybody who's not uh, quite ready or not really interested. Uh, you know, let's call them the tire kickers at the moment. So that's interesting to see people, you know, get really serious about um, harnessing the situation right now and the opportunity that there is for them yes it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next isn't it right let's get into the long grass here how do we do it how do we capitalize on the high demand we have now and stretch that out as long as possible to take advantage of it in the long term 
It's first of all about delivering what consumers are looking for right now, then getting that message across to them. So here's an interesting angle. I mean, right now, the demand for building work is through the roof, excuse the pun. But as a consumer, how do I or how do I find someone or someone good enough that I can trust who then has a reasonable time frame to do the work on the home that we want ahead of you know, getting a new kitchen? And then how do I coordinate um, all of those parts to fall into place at the right time? And we're not necessarily talking about a full extension, but just the likes of knocking a wall through and putting steels up and so forth. And I would say as a kitchen retailer, what can you do to help the consumer? Uh, and there are many of them who are faced with that question right now. What can you do to help them coordinate all that activity? So there's one way to capitalize on that type of demand right now, because the kitchen retailers will have far better access to trusted traders and trusted builders um, who they can bring into play ahead of putting in that new kitchen. And we're probably talking about kitchens of some value here. That's you know kind of one angle, I would say, that kitchen retailers and, and the like could be taking um, advantage of the opportunity right now through through demand. And then the question is, how do you get that message across to the right people if indeed you're going to take that on? Okay, so let's get down to the practicalities of it. Where do you start with that plan? You've found a bit of time, you've got a blank piece of paper in front of you. Where do you start? Well, I think the, the, the first place I would start, um, given the luxury of, let's say, time um, in terms of you know getting this plan laid out and right um, in, in its best form, I think you've got to go back to you know some really sort of key uh, principles in marketing. And first one I would say is understanding the difference between your today customers and your tomorrow customers. Something like only three percent of people are in the market to buy whatever it is you sell right now. So that means um, the biggest market you've got are those the other ninety seven percent those people who will fall into the market at some point in the future, which is the next few months or, or years. So that group, the tomorrow customers, are by far the biggest opportunity for you. And arguably, that's where you should be putting the majority of your time and budget um, and attention for marketing. So that would, be the, that would be the first thing I would suggest to consider. The, the next thing then is Okay, so if you're going to start focusing on the tomorrow customers rather than the today customers, how do you do that and why is that important? And I think the, the ultimate answer in this is if you can build a bond with those future customers of yours or prospects um, in a way that they have noticed you and feel good about you, they feel warm towards you before they come to need you, that's ultimately um, what you you know want to be developing. And I think you know, there's several ways that you can do that uh, in this day and age. There's definitely social media um, is a great way to do it. Um, lifestyle magazines, I think, still uh, are quite relevant with that, whether it's advertising or even PR and articles. Radio potentially has a role to play for many retailers, depending on the size of the market and the access to um, a reasonable audience there. And even out of home, like um, billboards and, and signage and so forth um, around your location. So you're looking there to get out a message to people um, that has to notice you, um, that they can retain the message or, or you know, the um, recognition of your brand, and ideally that they warm to you in advance of needing you. 
So that would be the second point. The third point I would say then is when it comes to somebody wanting, um, you know, what it is that you sell, the the ultimate um, situation you've got there is that they already know who you are. So when they go searching for contact details, which, you know, for the most part is probably Google these days, it's the new yellow pages um, or even white pages. When they go to Google, that they're searching for your name directly when your name comes up uh, or your business comes up um, on that search page or, or, or results, there you are pretty much dominating the whole of that page. So they've got your contact details, they're straight through to your website or they've got your phone number or email address. Um, that's the ultimate. I guess the, the, um, the next best thing there is when you're dealing with what we would term as an indirect search. So people know what they want, but they don't necessarily know who it is that they're going to uh, reach out to for that. So that's when they're typing in something like kitchen showroom near me or uh, luxury kitchens, um, perhaps with the town there. And they're going to be faced with a page of search results. And on that page, um, the research in, in recent years, actually, in the UK has proved that people are not necessarily going for the top listing. Um, they're not necessarily differentiating too much between the paid ads and the organic listings. What they're doing is scrolling up and down that page, looking for the brand or a business where they recognize the name. And that's how they're di differentiating and deciding who it is that they're going to click on. So that goes back to um, being, you know, having that awareness out there and bonding with people in the first place. So if they're not typing in your business name directly, they're at least recognizing you in that list of sameness um, on that search page um, on, on page one of Google. And I think, Andy, from there, you know, once you've, you know, kind of got their attention through to your, um, you know, through to your website, um, that's when user experience, you know, also um, is really critical as well. You know, your website is becoming more and more important um, in terms of being almost the virtual showroom um, and the doorstep to your business. So the look and feel of that really needs to represent what your business is about. Um, speed in terms of um, page load speed is becoming more important for Google. Um, you know, what messaging you've got on that website, on your website, is really key as well. And also making it really easy for people to take a next step with you, which could be as simple as downloading a guide, downloading a brochure, or is it straight through to a contact form, an email, or um, even, you know, finding your address and, and turning up as a walk-in? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that the website became everything when showrooms had to close, and suddenly I think a lot of people looked at their website with new eyes, and I'm sure many of them didn't really like what they saw very much. But what you're saying here is that what's come out of the lockdown is a hybrid between personal service and face-to-face -face reputation, but now having that online presence, and they're all as important as each other. Definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, the other thing to consider here, and, and I keep going back to kitchen retailers, which is predominantly who, who, we, deal, who we deal with. You know, the, this got presented to me a few months ago, that 85% of the kitchens in the sold in the UK each year, which roughly a million kitchens, 85% of them are sold by the big chains, by, by, the, by the big sheds, leaving 15% for the independents. However... Uh, off the back of that um, statistic, apparently 50% of the overall revenue is from the, um, you know, the, is, goes to the independent kitchen retailers, which says to me that they are definitely at the money end of the market. So I think it's important 
for people to recognize you know which lane they're in and i would say for most kitchen retailers most independent kitchen retailers they're not in the kitchens market they're in the luxury kitchens market or the top end you know it's not necessarily luxury isn't the only word to describe it but words around that are probably more how what the average consumer would consider an independent um, kitchen retailer to be delivering Right, so that brings us on to something that many retailers are very familiar with as part of their marketing, but of course, you know, it all had to stop, and that's events. Cookery demos are probably the most common, of course, but there's lots of others too. When should people be thinking about and organising events again, do you think? Well, I, I would say, um, you know, in, inside of the legal constraints at the moment, um, I, I, I think it can be done in the next few weeks, definitely even the, the next couple of months, definitely by September after the school holidays summer school holidays. So I went to an event, a reasonably small event at the end of April with a business group that I'm involved in. And I would have to say it was well managed and the experience for everybody there was quite rich. Um, I think we all felt quite privileged to be in the room and some people were clearly desperate for the interaction that that offered up. I guess there's a bit of risk involved with organising an event that could be curtailed by legal constraints for, for good reason in the next couple of months. But the opportunity to be doing these events, you know, kind of coming out of lockdown and being at the front end of that gives you probably extra kudos and goodwill for those people that do turn up and, and become involved. Yeah, it's funny, I think, because planning for numbers will be very difficult because you have some people who are desperate to go out to things and some people who are still very nervous about going out and knowing how many to plan for is going to be difficult. Well, I guess, I mean, you've got to probably have a booking process in place, um, but those people are going to make themselves apparent i guess well well in advance um if they're interested in coming along and those that aren't um you're not really going to know about them are you yes that's very true right look david the clock's beating us and i'm very aware that we've barely scratched the surface of this as a topic but it's so interesting i think to be this forward looking and talk about what's going to happen in the next couple of years in such a positive way I think you're right. The demand for home improvements will continue for a while yet. And in fact, I think the only problems are probably going to be caused by the industry itself with product availability and the shortage of fitters and installers. So yes, you've got to manage your own reputation by, I think, as you said at the top, perhaps not taking on as much work as possible. So you're not damaging your reputation in the long term by not being able to deliver. Well, I think it goes back to my point a few minutes ago is is understanding who your market really is and you know reaching out to them with a message that's for them and, and, and not a message that's so broad that you're attracting all the interest in, in, in new kitchens but the interest in kitchens that you can sell and deliver on and just you know being really sort of focused on who you are what you stand for and, and who your ideal customers are. David that's a fantastic point to end on as we could talk about this for hours but thank you so much for your time it's been really interesting and insightful as always and we'll talk again soon thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. Huge thanks to David Barker, as always. You can find links to his company, Inspire KBB, in the episode description. Don't forget to book your seats and tables at the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards in Liverpool on September the 15th. If you leave it too late, don't come running to me. I've tried to warn you. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to find out everything you need to know. See you next time.